I'm Dan Gregson. And I'm Mike Gregson. Welcome to Come Towards the Light, the podcast. Our goal is to find everyday people who are delightful. These people have attractive energy and a positive outlook on life. We want to know their stories and what makes them delightful. We will uncover the life experiences our guests have been through, which have enabled them to look at life in such an inspiring and delightful way. With the belief that to understand delight, one has to be acquainted with the dark. Is it possible that in our darkest hours, we are given a gift to find light, which leads to our greatest delights? Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning into today's show with Come Towards Delight, the podcast. We have a wonderful guest today. Her name is Rachel Walton. Her website is thoughtist.com. Again, that's thoughtist.com. She also has a podcast, Thoughtist, found on all major podcast channels. She is phenomenal. She's a self-help coach, and she does a really good job talking about how to work through our emotions, the feelings that we have, and just really embracing the things that we go through, let them run their course, and then allow them, and and then kind of release them or allow them to go after that. Enjoy today's show, and please let us know your feedback. Thanks so much. All right. Well, today we are super excited to have Rachel Walton of The Thoughtist joining us today. Um, Woo Yeah. We are super excited because Rachel, like I've known her now for maybe 20 minutes and she's incredibly delightful. You're like a Disney princess. I, like you just give off that vibe. So. Wow. That's very generous of you to say. <laughs> um, so Rachel... We are super excited to have you here today. Um, you do a lot of work with, um, you know, life coaching, helping people through uh, gaining uh, emotional maturity, working on uh, issues with shame, uh, really taking control of their thoughts and, and trying to move to a better place in life. And I am very curious to hear today how you got there, um, what, what led you to that point in your life of that being something that you wanted to do and then getting an, an, an idea of some of these concepts that you talk about of emotional maturity and and feeling our feelings and feeling them deeply all the way through how did you get there what what was what has your journey been like to to get you to that point and so today I'd like to just have you start maybe a, a little bit by introducing to yourself and your and your podcast and some of your life coaching stuff, and then we can move from there. So I'm going to say something first, if that's okay. So I've known Rachel for 20 minutes and probably about a month, right? (laughs) Yeah. Um, Alicia and I had the the privilege of meeting uh, you and your husband at a park one random day during coronavirus 19 or COVID-19. And so we were, you know, being new to the area we live in, we're just looking for opportunities to connect. And, and we saw you and your kids playing there and just kind of the manner in which you're parenting your kids with love and happiness and having all the fun. Um, we knew that would be a, a, a safe, you know, you guys would be fun to connect with. And so we, when the opportunity came up, we, we talked to you and we started a conversation and what a great conversation. And I remember Alicia and I walking away from that going, man, those people were awesome. Um, and, and I, and we've, you know, since you've invited us to come to your home for dinner and we've been able to learn a little bit more about you and, and your story is quite the story. And that's, you know, for Dan and I to have the opportunity to sit down and talk with you, knowing that you've, you've been through some really difficult times. I mean, 
losing a couple parents and, and, and just some of the personal things that you've gone through in your life. And, and I, I, this is going to be awesome. And I'm really excited to have you on our show. And so thank you for coming and being with us today. And Dan and I are excited. So anyway, that said, back to Dan's question, you know, just tell us a little bit about yourself and, and uh, look forward to, to getting to know a little bit more. Okay, well, thank you. And it's, it's interesting because my husband and I, when we walked away from that day at the park too, we're like, wow, what just happened? Like, <laughs> we were supposed to meet those people, you know? And so it was really neat. It was a really neat totally. experience. Totally. We felt the same way. Um, so I had the most beautiful childhood. It's, you know, I, I feel very, very blessed. Um, I was very close with my parents, very close with my siblings. There was a lot of love. I mean, no, no family is perfect, right? Um, well, except ours. I think. <laughs> Wait, well, I guess yeah. Mine and yours? Yeah. Right. <laughs> oh, oh, we not? Well, with you and I as the oldest too, how oh, could okay, it be okay. anything but? <laughs> yeah. Well, most families, right? <laughs> that, you're you're becoming a comedian, Dan. That's phenomenal. You got it. Anyway, go ahead. Um. So yeah. Uh. My dad. You know, he was he was larger than life in so many different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, he was an entrepreneur and he, um, built his own company up from the ground and became very successful. He was on, you know, Inc 500 several times nice. and, and, you know, did QVC shows for his products. And <laughs> when QVC was still a thing, I don't even know if it's still a thing anymore, <laughs> but, oh, <it> <laughs> um, anyway, but yeah, so, um, it was wonderful. And I was brought up as a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And, um, you know, I learned so many beautiful things there. Um, and, you know, I, that, was, that has been a huge part of my story for all of my life. And, and it will continue to be. Um, so I decided I wanted to serve a mission. Um, I, got, I had been at school um, at BYU and, uh, decided I wanted to serve a mission. And those of you who have listened to the other podcasts, um, have, you know, a lot of people talk about that. So, um, for, was that a pretty easy decision for you to make? You know, it, it, um, yes and no, I uh-huh. struggled with it for a little bit. Um, cause I didn't fe- I didn't necessarily feel like, you know, I was, had this vision or anything, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember meeting with, uh, the church leader at the time, my bishop. And I just said, well, I just don't know. Like I kind of want to go, but I just don't know if it's the right thing. I don't feel like I'm getting an answer about it. And he just, you know, he quoted the scripture. If you have a desire to serve the Lord, you're called to the work. Mm -hmm. And that was when I was like, you know what, I'm just going to do it. And, um, oh, I'm so glad I did. I'm so glad I did. I learned, I learned so much. Um, but uh, when I had been out on my mission for, uh, just a couple months, remind me where you went. So I went to Brazil. Okay. Yeah. Belo Horizonte. And, um, and so I had been out for just, uh, a couple months and it was, I was getting transferred to a new area and I was really nervous about it. I really loved my companion. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to leave her. And I remember asking my mission president, if he would give me a blessing when we, you know, one of the times that we were having um, interviews with the missionaries and I asked if he would, and he said, of course. And in that blessing, um, out of nowhere, he said, if you are to lose, if you lose one of your family members to death, you are to know that your family is forever. And, um, 
anyway, I... That's heavy. Yeah. (laughs) And there were no details about it, right? It was just that was said and then he moved on and... I'm just left reeling like, yeah. okay, what's going on? You know, You're president, how do you did expect you, me to go back to work after yeah, this? <laughs> yeah, you know, and did, did you ask him about it at all? I didn't ask him. Oh, wow. I, I didn't, I <laughs> mean, I was this shy little missionary, you well, know, right, I, I just right. didn't like, I, and I didn't know him that well. Yeah. And I, I just thought, well, okay. Like, so I remember going home that night mm-hmm. um, and I, you know, I kept an avid journal on my mission and I remember you know, writing in my journal and thinking, well, there's no details like who or when, didn't even say if it was, you know, yeah, when it was going to happen or anything. Um, And so I just, I wrote, no matter what happens, I'm finishing my mission. Mm. And um, so fast forward, I had been out a year and I was six hours south of the mission home at that point. And, um, and I, uh, I, uh, my companion and I were out teaching and she's like, I feel like we need to go home. And I was like, no, 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 we're almost done with this lesson. Let's just finish it. She's like, no, we got to go. Like Hmm. we need to go right now. And so I was like, okay. So we started walking back and lo and behold, my mission president was standing at the gate, which, you know, he, he's never down there because it's so far away from the mission home. And he had a phone and he's like, your family needs to talk to you. And that's, I knew, Mm -hmm. I knew that it was related to this blessing that I had had. And, um, so anyway, he handed me the phone and it was my dad. And my dad told me that he had been diagnosed with cancer and, um, my heart just dropped. Um, And I had this very beautiful conversation with my dad, you know, where he was inspiring me to, you know, I told him I feel so alone, you know, you guys are all together and I'm here so far away in this country. And, um, and he said, but you're not alone. You have your heavenly father and you have your brother, Jesus Christ with you. And, um, anyway, so my mission president, you know, I gave him the phone back and he said, you know, sister, my maiden name's Dornbush. Sister Dornbush, you know, if you if you decide that you need to go home, you know, you've served an honorable mission and it will be okay. And you just decide what's best for you and your family. Mm-hmm. And I brought out my journal and I showed him the entry <laughs> yeah, I had no written. Wow. And I said, no matter what, I'm going to finish my mission. <sighs> and we both just bawled because we knew that right. that's, that I had been prepared for that experience. And had I not been prepared, I don't know if I would have been strong enough to make that decision. And I think that's why I was given the gift of making it ahead of time sure, and writing it down. So, so, so you kind of talked about this, uh, this feeling of just being so alone. You know, you, you find out about your dad, you're just alone. And then he kind of says, well, you're not, and here's why you're not alone. Did that blessing and kind of preparing you to have that mindset of like, this could be something that happens on your mission. Did that play into that idea of making you feel any less alone at all? Yeah. You know, it's, it felt like, um, somebody Mm -hmm. knew where I was and who I was and what I was doing. And they knew my family. Right. And, and, um, 
and so yeah when I thought about that okay yeah no I'm actually not alone and it's not like this wasn't supposed to happen Mm -hmm. this is exactly what was supposed to happen and so that definitely doesn't make it doesn't make it any easier though right right so now your dad's diagnosed with cancer Mm -hmm. um how long did he have cancer were you on your mission when he passed away and did you stay like what tell me the details after that yeah so um I just tried to get back to doing the missionary work you know because I knew I was supposed to be there and my mission president called a couple days later and and said um, guess what? I found out that you can go home and say goodbye to your dad and come back. Oh yeah. And, um, I said, I can't do that. I said, I, if, if I go home and see my dying father, (laughs) I'm not going to be able to come back to my mission. And so I said, I'm, I just can't do that. And I hope my family understands. And a few days passed, he calls again and he said, Sister Dornbush, I hope you can forgive me, but I bought you a plane ticket and you're going home to see your dad. You need to say goodbye to him. What a good, good mission present. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he was so inspired. Yeah, so inspired. And so I, I, you know, for the first time in a year, I was, you know, I was dropped off at the airport and without a companion and I had forgotten to get, you know, American money. Like I just, it was a whirlwind, right? Yeah. And, um, and I had my first flight um, from Belo Horizonte to Sao Paulo. Mm-hmm. I got there. It was super crowded. I was super um, overwhelmed. And the line was just super long to get to the ticket counter. And I finally got up to the front. And they told me I fl- my flight had been canceled. Oh, you're kidding. And they said, well, um, we can put you up in a hotel. And I'm like, I'm this american girl you know like doesn't sound good to me (laughs) in sao paulo like i don't i'm like i'm so vulnerable right now that's just not going to be safe for me Mm -hmm. and they're like well there's nothing we can do and we can't get you on a flight until tomorrow or possibly later and i found a corner in the airport and i just crumpled into a ball and Mm. just cried yeah and all of a sudden this flight attendant finds me she puts her hand on my shoulder and she's like, are you okay? You know, she's, she was Brazilian. So speaking Portuguese to me and, and my, you know, my Portuguese, my broken Portuguese, I told her what was going on and she grabbed my shoulders and she said, you are going to see your father. And, um, she was from a different airline. So she brought me, you know, back to her airline and, and, um, she was working with people and they got me a flight. Yeah. No way. Yeah. So they were, and you know, no charge or anything. They're like, we're going to take care of you. Um, and so anyway, so I had one, yeah, it was, it was incredible. I mean, how can you have experiences like that and not know that there's something Right. You know, there's You're something. being looked after in yes, some way. Yes. There's light. Amen. Yeah. You know, that's great. So, and, and that, something loves you right Right. knows you and loves you yeah yeah that's awesome yeah so you get home and where how's your dad doing like are you how long are you there are you with him very long yeah so another piece of the story is that i had you know one more connecting flight i think it was in denver um 
And at, by that point, you know, I hadn't eaten. I yeah. had no money. I was spent. And um, I had to go through security again. So I was walking to the end of this very long line. And this man steps out of the line and says, hey, sister, are you coming or are you going? And I totally just snap at him. You know, I'm just like, I don't want to talk to anybody. I'm going home because my dad's dying. And I just... Don't leave talk me to me. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Like, leave me alone. You know, just hack I'm trying to get home. <laughs> yes. Like, you don't know what I've been through. <laughs> you know? And so then I go to the end of the line. And and then I just start feeling terrible. I look down and I see my badge, my missionary badge. And I'm like, you know what? Yeah. I'm a representative of the Savior. And I just treated this man poorly. And I mean, of course, it's understandable. <laughs> you know? It, it, but at the same time, I was just like... That just didn't feel right to yeah. me, you know? And the line ended up splitting in two, and he was way up there, you know? We ended up coming out at the same time. And before this, I had said a prayer, and I had said, please just help me find someone to talk to and help me get some food. I'm really hungry, you know? <laughs> and anyway, we ended up coming out at the same time, and, and so I was able to apologize to him, and I just said, sir, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to snap at you. I'm just under a lot of pressure, and... Um, you know, he said, oh, that's okay, sister. He's like, sister. You know, I know. <laughs> yeah, I thought you loved that. I love it. <laughs> He's like, you know, if there's one thing I've learned, it's that you never see a missionary without feeding them. And he, yeah. went oh, and he bought me some lunch and he sat and talked with me. Yeah. And at this point I hadn't been able to call my family. Yeah. They didn't know what was going on. Nobody knew where, like where I was, I was yeah. supposed to be home. And so, um, anyway, he gave me his phone and said, you should call your dad. So I called my dad and my dad, you know, got on the line and, and I told him what was going on and I was going to be home soon. And he said, I'm waiting for you. Yeah. So, so did this yeah. guy, was this guy a member of, of yeah. your church? No kidding. Yeah. In fact, later on in my mission, cause I went back, yeah. um, he and his family like sent me a care package oh, with like oh, brownie mix yeah. and you know, <laughs> stuff. And I, I still have the letter from him and yeah. I thought about looking him up, sure. you know, just to be like, Hey, I'm you should here. Get, yeah, pop up on his Facebook, fo Facebook yeah. feed and say, Hey, remember that's <laughs> totally. so cool. Yeah. So he was, you know, he, all these people in this story, they all were following that light. Yeah. And that's why yes. all of this came to pass. Yes. That's why I was able to see my dad. And I did. I got home and I saw him. And the next day he was incoherent. Oh, no kidding. And oh, it happened no that kidding. quickly once you got there. Yes. The wow. next and day. I mean, he, he really meant it when he said mm -hmm. that he was waiting so for me. So I was just going to say... Um, that is pretty amazing. I Dan and I have had some experiences with our father this way where it's like he held on for certain things yeah. Yeah. before he really just allowed himself to say, okay, I'm done. And, and I, we, I totally agree with that. You know, like amazing that your dad loved you so much that he just fought and fought and fought until he could see you again. And that's so pretty, amazing. how powerful is that? Yeah, yeah. Such a gift. Yeah. How cool. And all, all of the light those other people followed what's so amazing is, is how in our lives things kind of are in place for us to feel loved, if you will, right? If we stop and we look and we listen, if we see the surroundings and what's actually placed in our path, whether it's a people, whether it's, you know, what, sorry, a person, whether it's an experience, whether it's something that happens to us, it's never, it's never, um, 
it, it's always surprised me, but but it doesn't anymore. But it used to always surprise me that those experiences are placed there so that we can feel loved, Definitely. and so that we know we're worth so much. Yes. Right. Well, I think I think a, an interesting thing to point out is is not only were these people looking for opportunities to help you. I mean, these were people that were engaged, obviously, which is a big deal. But you also were carrying yourself in such a way that it looked like you needed some help, yeah. probably. Right. You know, it's like with the with the gal who um, flight who, attendant, yeah, the flight attendant who comes up to you. I mean, you're you're in a pretty devastated state. You're w- mm-hmm. where you're crying, kind of alone in a corner. Like it's mm-hmm. obvious you need something. And and I think the point that I'm trying to make is not only do we need to be looking for these opportunities to help other people, but we need to look for opportunities to let people know that we're struggling. You know, I think that's a, it's, it's not a bad thing to struggle. It's okay. We all do. (laughs) And, and, you know, one of the things that you talk about Rachel a lot is feeling our feelings all the way through. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. I think, I think you feeling those feelings all the way through about your dad, about leaving your mission, about all of all the of flight these that got that canceled. And how about it you know? sucked? Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. Like and, crying. and worrying about food and, and just, yeah. you know, all of these things and, and feeling those things deeply uh, all the way through allowed you allowed others to see that need in you. And, and I think that's partly why it's so important for us to feel those things yeah. and yeah. not just ignore and keep moving and keep yeah. pushing. Yeah. But to sometimes be vulnerable how we need to be so that others can come to the rescue. It's definitely it, it, it's interesting that idea that that you talked about there, um, and, and what you're saying, Rachel, and you've talked to Dan and I both about this, about allowing yourself to really go through the feelings that you're feeling in those moments, right? Like let them, let them run their course in your life, right? There's a piece of honesty that you allow yourself to have with your very own self when you allow that to happen. I, I believe a lot of times we live in a world where we're, we're almost taught to disguise those feelings or whatever. And I'm a parent, right? And when, when my son is, is, um, crying sometimes about, about nothing, right? I mean, like sometimes my kid, Preston, I, your son, when you're listening to Preston this, doesn't cry. Day, Preston I love you. You're a tough, strong boy. You're a good that's man. That's the thing. Yeah. Your dad's the one that's got problems, but no, but, but sometimes every once in a while he'll be crying. And there's that, there's that thing where it's like, well, boys shouldn't cry. They need to be tough and strong and this, that, and the other. And me as a dumb father, every once in a while, I'll say, Oh, come on, Preston. You don't cry about that. Like, don't get angry about that or don't feel this way or whatever about that. And unfortunately, what I just taught my son by doing that is I'm teaching him. That's not a real thing for you. Yeah. You shouldn't mm-hmm. feel that way. And so when he feels that way, he's going to, create a lie in his brain saying that's not real feeling or I shouldn't feel so I'm not supposed to. What's interesting when you talk about light, this is, this is a really cool conversation as you guys are talking. I'm just sitting here going, wow, that's amazing. As you talk about light and, and, and you think about that in, in the sense of God, right? He wants us to be honest and open with him. That light wants us to be honest and open because we can't have light if, if we're living in a lie. Mm-hmm. But if we can't even do it with ourselves, how does he break in? He, yeah. he yeah. doesn't. And yeah. so, and so, wow, that's, that's look at all the things that fell in the line in your life because you were real 
and you allowed yourself to like fully accept those feelings that you had in those moments, you said a prayer that you were hungry. Here's a guy that you had, you had been rude to. You said, Hey, help me, you know, help me to, you wanted to make amends for that. Right. And you said, you know, I'm really hungry. I just want to be able to get some food. You were honest with yourself first and foremost, because you were honest with yourself, then you were able to be helped. And I think there's a lot of beauty in, in what you just said right there. You know Thank what I you. mean? Yeah, I, I agree. I, it's, it's so important. And I love how you were talking about your son because you're not the only parent who, who does that, right? Oh, like, good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's be real here. I mean, everyone listening who has kids, right? Oh, yeah. We mm-hmm. can all relate to that. And the interesting thing is that usually when someone else is experiencing pain, if we're trying to fix it, it's because we we are uncomfortable exactly. with their pain, yes. uh-huh. you know, and then we're teaching them that they should be uncomfortable with their pain. Mm-hmm. And then we're all uncomfortable with it and we <laughs> just pretend like it's not and there. And we just and move exactly forward, right? right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm. So, yeah. Um, yeah. In fact, you know, negative emotion, as we all know, is it's inescapable. It's part of the human experience. And, um, you know, a lot of us tend to be afraid of it, right? Because... Um, it, it creates this feeling in our body that's kind of uncomfortable. Um, and so instead of feeling it, um, there's three things that normally people do. And um, one is to avoid it. And another is to resist it. And another is to act it out. So avoiding it looks like, um, you know, just kind of doing other things so that you don't have to feel it, right? So we call that in the coaching world, we call that buffering. So it's putting something between you and having to feel that emotion. Mm-hmm. And uh, that can look like so many things, overworking, over drinking, mm-hmm. overeating, basically over anything, anything that's off balance in our lives. It's usually because we're doing that thing to avoid feeling a feeling. Um, you know, it can be pornography. It could be mm-hmm. so many different things. Um, and so, uh, and of course, it's, it's not, we, it, we, it pretends to be helpful, right? Yeah. We, we kind of think, well, now I'm not feeling that feeling. So it's better now, but yeah. no, it just builds. Right. Yeah. And the same thing with resisting it. Resisting is, you know, it's there, but you're just kind of pushing the door and you know, it's behind the door and you're trying to hold the door closed because you don't want to let it come in. Sure. Um, and that's like when we're trying to be so good as parents and we're trying not to yell at our kids. I'm not going to yell. I'm not going to yell. I'm not yep. going to yell, you know? And then, <laughs> but really we're just like white knuckling it. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it just bursts through the door and just runs us over. Right? So what you're <laughs> saying is it's good that I don't resist the urge to yell at Preston when I want to yell at him. Huh? So yeah, I'm hey. going to get there. I'm going <laughs> to no, get there. Yeah, crap. Dang it. <laughs> Preston, I don't ever yell at you. Come on. Um, so that's the third one, actually funny Mm -hmm. that you bring it up is (laughs) acting it out, reacting to it. Right. And that's where we just like that. We have the feeling there and then we just Just throw it at somebody else. You know, we punch a door, we yell at somebody, we throw something, you know, whatever it is that we do when we react to our emotions like that. And so what is the other option? It's the best option, which is to feel the feeling. And there's, um, there's an acronym that I use with my clients to help them kind of understand a good process for doing it. And there's so many different ways, like meditation, you know, yeah. all these kinds of things that we can do to help ourselves like sit with it. Um, 
but it's cope. So um, C stands for catch it. So that's kind of hard because, you know, the average human being has like 60 to 80,000 thoughts a day. And with yeah. each thought you have, there comes a feeling. Mm-hmm. So that's 60 to 80,000 feelings, right? Crazy. It's crazy. So we're just, and oftentimes we're just kind of letting those feelings happen. We don't really pay attention to them. And that's when usually we avoid, resist, or react. Sure. Yeah. Um, but if you catch it um, and name it, you know, it like I'm feeling sad mm. or I'm feeling angry right now and then the second thing is to observe it so that's the O so when you observe it you find it in your body like mm-hmm. okay I'm feeling anger what does it feel like it feels tight I'm feeling it in my shoulders like if it was a color it would be red mm-hmm. you know and then the minute you start doing this, you will start to notice that mm-hmm. the feeling already starts to release a little <laughs> bit. Yeah. It just wanted you to pay attention yeah. to it. It's not evil. Yeah. You know, it just, it just wanted some time. And so, um, and then the next step is to uh, pinpoint. So P for pinpoint, you pinpoint the thought that it's coming from. So if you're angry with your son for yelling, you already pinpointed the thought. And the thought was he shouldn't be you know or for crying he shouldn't be crying and he needs to man up yeah well then you discover okay that's like not a good thought is it because when you think that thought i've said those words to my son a couple times (laughs) (laughs) i'm feeling really guilty now no no no. don't feel guilty (laughs) but i'm gonna pinpoint that it's just it's just so happens that you gave the perfect example so now i'm using it but it means nothing about you you're just like the rest of of us yes (laughs) leave it to mike and bad parenting sometimes So, um, so pinpoint, yeah, pinpoint, pinpoint the thought that it's coming coming from. from. And then you recognize, okay, this is, this is coming from a thought. And guess what? I am in charge of my thoughts. Right. I choose my thoughts so I can choose something else. So the last thing E is to experience it. So just like, don't try and push it away. Don't avoid it. Just like, you know, let it sit and and be okay with it. Um, and recognize that it's not going to hurt you. It's just a feeling. And, um, and usually by that point, you are to a place where you can choose a different thought, an totally. intentional thought. And that is really the basis of what I do as a coach, as a life coach, is that I help people, you know, process and feel their feelings. And then we brainstorm intentional thoughts that are going to get them to the feeling that they want to feel more, you know? I love so. it. That's really That's cool. Fantastic. I like that you came up with an acronym too. We're in a we're in a world full of acronyms, and yeah. acronyms are always good in <laughs> the world helpful. that we live in. Yeah. Um, but I, so so I'm going to go back to my little experience before we move on, because I I've learned in my life to basically do these things. Not with yeah. everything. I'm not perfect. I'm still practicing all the time, right? But let's just go back to Preston for a second. So again, I'll I'll just pick one of the few times that I've gotten mad at my son. A few times, very few. <laughs> And recently, probably about a week ago, um, I got on this case about something and, and, you know, my, my voice, I yelled, I'm going to be real here. I yelled at him like, Hey son, you know, like in raised voice, whatever. I, you don't need, don't do that. Like, stop doing that. I've asked you a thousand times. Why do I have to keep going over this with you over and over and over again? Therefore, he feels automatic shame, mm-hmm. right? As soon as dad raises his voice, well, that he knows no matter what it is that dad's talking about. Dad's upset at me, and so I've done something to fail my father, and I need to feel shamed by that. That's wrong. But mm-hmm. but as a little six-year-old boy, he runs up to his room, tucks his tail, runs runs to his room, and 
I don't like dad. I don't like the world. Everything sucks. Why? And, and he goes to the corner and curls up in a ball, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like little kids do. And as I, as I recognized it, hold on, I want to go through this <laughs> as I caught it. Yeah. As I observed it, mm-hmm. what it did to him, I pinpointed what it was that I did. Right. So I recognized and pinpointed, okay, look, this is what, what behavior it caused in him because of what I did. And then, and then I allowed myself to go through the experience of really, I didn't just go try and fix it right off the bat. And I think we do that a lot of times, right? Before we let it play its course in us, even we try and fix this thing so quick because it's uncomfortable. Yes. But I sat through the uncomfort. I knew my wife was frustrated with me right off the bat, but I didn't try and just talk to her, talk her through it and get her, get us moving on past this thing. Yeah. I kind of let it sit. And, and as I, as I, thought about these things and I, and I really held on to it, let it play its course. Um, then I was in a place where I was like, okay, now I need to go talk to my son. So I went up in his room. I was able to get down on his level. That's important, right? I sat down with him, looked him in the eyes and I just said, Hey, I need you to know something. Me getting upset and angry at you had nothing to do with you. That's my problem. Your dad's got a problem with that. Like that's a battle that I have. And I'm really sorry for that. I'm going to work on that. I promise you. And then I was able to talk to him about what I was talking about. And, and what's interesting is when I, when I, because I went to him after kind of blowing up at him, my perspective changed on what he actually had done because I took the time to think it through. And all of a sudden in my mind, I'm going, how awful is that, that I just made my son feel bad that he got angry about something that he doesn't really understand or, or that he cried about something that why would I make it feel bad for crying about something like that's not right of me. And so as I'm sitting there talking to him, I'm basically able to basically to tell him like, you are not incorrect in what you just did. Yeah. I'm the one that was incorrect and I'm really mm-hmm. sorry. I love you. And, and our relationship grew because of that. And so this whole acronym that you've got, like I, I, without knowing your acronym before, I kind of put that into practice and this really works. Yeah. It totally works every time. And that's so beautiful. And you know, some people might be like, well, it would have been better if it never happened at all, but I disagree. It's like you said, it actually gave you the opportunity to connect with yourself, to connect with your Mm -hmm. son. It became a teaching moment. And that's the beautiful thing about any mistake that we make is we just, turn it into a teaching moment. We had, we now have more information. We now have more understanding. And then it actually just becomes, you know, the means of growth for us. Yeah. That's so. awesome. I love that. Dan, that's why I try so hard to really disrupt your life. Well, it's why we, <laughs> it's why we call Mike the experience. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, I, I love that, it. That is his actual nickname that, that we call I'm just him. trying and to so cause growth guys. That's all I'm trying. He's just giving us the necessary experience we need to to continue to grow. Oh my goodness. Anyway, anyway. Let's let's so go. Thanks for that, Mike. Yeah, uh, Rachel, thanks for that. I mean, it's like how awesome though that like you could share that acronym in a in a real life experience that you had, right? And going through this with your father. Um I want to go back though and and I think this is important to talk about. Let's let's talk about I I know um, you lost your father. You came back to your mission. You finished your mission. Yeah. And then keep keep going with your story to to kind of who you are and 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 the things you've learned. Um. Okay. Yeah. So. Um. Yeah. I. I. He passed away while I was there. So I got to go to the burial, and I, my flight was scheduled to leave a few hours after. So I had that closure. It was all just miraculous. 
um, finished my mission, um, came back, everyone else had kind of moved on. Mm-hmm. And I had, you know, I never really, my dad never existed on my yeah. mission. Yeah, so I never had time to You came write. back and plugged yourself into what your past life was. Yes. And they don't, yeah. And Whoa. my mom had started dating somebody. And, wow. Um, you know, everybody was kind of like, moving on. It. Yeah. And, um, so anyway, that was difficult for me and I feel like I just, in this way, I didn't use the acronym, you know, <laughs> I, I just was like, okay, well, I guess I better just move on. Right. Feels unfair. I just got to like go back to school and do my thing like everybody else. And, um, and so I did and, and graduated and got married to this amazing man who you met. Kevin. Um, he's yeah, he's, he's amazing. Good um, cook too. Holy cow. Yeah. <laughs> man can cook. Yeah. He's great. Um, anyway, and so um, I, you know, I became a teacher. I love teaching. I'm very passionate about children and how their brains work and education and all of that. And so I loved that. And so much so that I continued to teach, you know, even after having children. Um, and I was lucky. I was able to do it part-time because I taught kindergarten. So half-time mom, half-time kindergarten teacher. And I guess you're really just a full-time mom no matter what, right? (laughs) But (laughs) full-time parent. Um, but anyway, uh, I, I, uh, I was pregnant with my third child. Um, and I was, I was just, working really hard. I was working uh, to get my master's equivalent from uh, Southern Utah University and, you know, being the mom and teaching and doing all those things. I like to keep busy. Um, And my mom came out to help with, uh, because it was going to be a C-section. So she came out to help with my younger two kids. And um, if you listen to my podcast, I I go into more depth on this. But um, long story short, she... um, you know, she's 58 years old and, um, in perfect health. And she, the last night that she was there was, you know, my daughter was, uh, six days old and, um, she, uh, passed away in her sleep. It was very unexpected. Um, my five-year-old, my oldest daughter was five at the time and she went down cause grandma said she was going to put braids in her hair before she went to church. And so I said, well, why don't you go just go see if she's up? <laughs> And she's like, Grandma's not talking to me. And I didn't even think anything of it. Right. Right? Because it's just like. Why would she? She's still sleeping. Yeah, she's just sleeping. She's Mm -hmm. just tired. She had just become a real estate agent. So she was up late working on something. She's tired. And then, um, you know, she tried again later, came to me. And she's like, Grandma is just not talking to me. And then all of a sudden I was like, okay, something's not right. So I went down. And it just looked like she was peacefully sleeping, you know. Mm -hmm. And so I just Mm -hmm. reached out. And she was cold. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember, I mean, I think it was the last podcast that I listened um, where she talked about um, when she found out that her husband had. Yeah, Ashley. Yep. Yeah. And <clears throat> I really related. To, she talked about the scream, you know, mm-hmm. how you just, it's, and that's what happened. I just, I had just had surgery, but I just screamed and I ran upstairs as fast as I could. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Kevin, he tried, he went down and he tried to save her. He, he, you know, yeah. did all the things and, oh. um, called 911 and they said to try and, but it, you know, obviously it was too late. Mm-hmm. Um, and so after that, you know, I just, 
I just was like, okay, I just got to buck up, right? It's that whole thing. Like buck I just up. think bad things happen to everybody. We just got to do our best and keep moving on. And, um, so, but I was depressed yeah. and, um, I, you know, there were mornings when I felt like I literally could not get out of bed. Like I could hear my three-year-old crying outside my door mm. and I couldn't get out of bed to go help him and then of course I just felt like the worst mom in the world right. you know I'm just like I can't even there's nothing left to give I can't even help my son what kind of mother am I you know and all these people just stepped in to help right and they just they would come over and get me out of bed and make breakfast for my kids and you know talk to me and and all and that those were amazing experiences and then I went back to work and I did all that but I just wasn't getting better like mm -hmm. I I was really struggling and I just was feeling stress and anxiety all the time um I'd have panic attacks when I thought about what happened with my mom I'd have nightmares and um so I finally decided that I needed to quit my job yeah I needed to take a break. I was running too fast and I, it was, it wasn't good. So as you're going through all this stuff, are you in your mind subconsciously and also like telling yourself this, are you saying just buck up, just buck up. Yes. You got to pick yourself up, boot, like, let's go move forward, move yeah. forward. So yeah. you're just beating yourself up. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just like, well, you know, you believe in the atonement, you believe in the church mm -hmm. and all these things. And so you have everything you need, so you should be fine. Yeah. You know, anywhere, it, everyone else would be just fine in right. this situation because they've got faith. And so you need to buck up and yes. that's tough. Yeah. Oh. So, so at this point in your life, are you allowing yourself to feel your dad's death, your mom's death, all of this stuff, or are you still trying to avoid and resist and totally avoiding okay buffering with yeah. work okay right yeah. i was just like oh. taking extra things home from work and mm -hmm. just put the kids to bed and then get more workout and do more lesson planning and do more research and do, you know until i would just go to bed and then start all over again i was totally avoiding feeling it and when i would start to feel it it was just so painful i just did just not want right. to feel yeah. it i didn't want to think about my dad i didn't want to think about my mom because it meant pain and pain was bad. Was that, would you associate that pain to shame? Oh, totally. I mean, I, I was blaming myself mm -hmm. for so my mom crazy. passing away because I kept going over in my head. What if I right. hadn't asked her to come right. to help me with the kids? You know, then she would have been with my stepdad and he would have saved her, you know? Or like, oh. what if, you know, what if I had like, woken up earlier mm -hmm. you know what if I had like had a feeling or what if I wasn't in tune with the spirit enough and I didn't notice that I should have gone down there earlier maybe it wouldn't have been too late to save her you know just all of those thoughts and the interesting thing about that is we do that to ourselves we like have all these thoughts and they cause that intense feeling of regret and like mm -hmm. blame and all of that and there is no upside to that ever can i <laughs> you know? i'm gonna ask you a question i'm gonna pause you for a second ask you a question based on that okay. we're talking about yeah. right how we we kind of keep ourselves there and we we cause this shame and guilt and all these feelings these negative negative emotions that we're bringing to our lives we're kind of allowing that to happen and causing that why do we do that yeah we call them in the coaching world we call them indulgent emotions so they're like emotions that pretend to be useful you know we're just like 
I did something wrong. I should beat myself up and then I'll be better next time. I just need to now you work know? harder. Or, yes. Okay. Like, you know, I, I must not have been listening to the spirit. And so I just need to be better about that, you know, yeah. but really like beating ourselves up, you can't beat yourself into becoming better. Like that doesn't. That so, doesn't so in my mind, like what that is doing is you're trying to prove to yourself that you could have controlled the outcomes. Yeah. Right? Yes. Yes. Like I, if I could have just done these things, mm-hmm. this thing wouldn't have. And happened. so I never need to not do these things again so that nothing negative ever happens going forward. Like somehow you need to, to compensate for all those lack of me, failures. It's not as constructive as that. Okay. Like, to me, it more feels like. It, it, it's always a looking back, not a looking forward, yes. right? Like it's, so it's, it's this, it's this feeling of, of shame or, or, or regret that like, if, if I had just done that thing, but like in a way, like, I think part of the reason I like doing it is because it's, it's an ego boost. Sure. Like I am bigger and better than these things. And I could have done something even though really in actuality, I really couldn't have, sure. you weren't yeah. going to save your mom, you no. know, like she's going to die at yeah. some point anyway, you know, like, yeah. like that's the thing is, is, is it's such an ego driven thing. Uh, and, and I think it is really about control when, mm-hmm. when we really can't control these things and, and that idea of letting things go kind of goes against our nature because to let things go we're not control means that we don't have power over these things that yeah. that we are really admitting to ourselves like yeah I really can't control most of these things that are like the thing that I really can control is this part in my head and mm-hmm. that's kind of about it that that part that you're talking about that no one else gets to touch unless we let them yes but I think too often we let that happen where we let other people inside that place in our mind and and let them affect you know our own outcomes or whatever but that's how it feels to me sure. it's like this kind of an ego thing to to co- almost cover up that shame of like, yeah. oh i can make this better next time sure right whatever. sure yeah so definitely. so okay so you're going through all this right you've got three kids one of them is super young mm-hmm. as the dust kind of settles like what are the next steps for you mm-hmm. so you know, it, it all goes back to th- when I finally started getting in touch with myself again. And I started to like be honest. And we, you've talked about that self vulnerability mm-hmm. to be like, okay, Rachel, guess what? You're not okay. Sure. You're not okay. And you can't keep doing what you're doing because you're going to burn out. But, you're already but burning talk out. about how you got Yeah. What there. did it take like, to get there? Yeah. So you did get there. But, oh, but what were like the steps it, in that process of how, how did you like, recognize was it therapy? It? Was it? Yeah. What? Oh yeah. Okay. Yes, mm-hmm. I did. Well, I mean, I had to get to that vulnerability to recognize that I needed, that you even needed therapy. therapy. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So is this like, is Kevin saying like, Hey, you should probably get some help. Like where, where, what is it externally or even internally that's going on to get you there? You know, maybe it's, it's the, the whole idea of, of that light. Maybe mm-hmm. I was starting to let some of that light in and just letting myself like, rec- You're I, I start, yeah, I, I just was, I was so burnt out yeah. that yeah. I, there was nothing left. And then it was like, I had hit rock bottom, yeah. Yeah. you know? Yeah. And I think you both have, you know, in your stories that I've heard have experienced a similar thing where you, you hit rock bottom and then all of a sudden, yes. you're just like, mm-hmm. okay, like <laughs> help something help me because yes. if not, I'm I got go. myself as yeah. far as I'm gonna go. Yeah. I need some other way. <laughs> yeah, totally. 
so yeah, so I, I went to therapy and, you know, I did EMDR therapy, which mm-hmm. is like which is for awesome. trauma, mm-hmm. you know, and, and what's EM, was, I'm sorry, I'm not familiar. It's, it's it, the eye rap, the rapid eye movement oh. type. So they're basically using, well, I'll let you talk about yeah. it. Oh no, you're fine. Yeah. <laughs> I've gone through it too. But I mean, it's, it's, they're trying to connect left and right side of yeah. the brain. Oh. So you kind of, you know, utilize either, um, sensation like clicking in your hands or like light. Gotcha. And then they have you talk about your experience as okay. you do that. And, okay. and because I had like a resisted and avoided it so long, that mm-hmm. process for me was very scary. I, I had more panic attacks yeah. and couldn't breathe, you know, huh. all those kinds of things. But she, the, I was in a safe place and she could help me walk help walk me through it, help me get through those panic attacks. And, and, you know, it was amazing. I, I am a big proponent of counseling and therapy and those kinds of things. Um, and yeah. And so then I, um, I got to this point where, you know, you hear this a lot where people are like, well, I discovered the reason why this happened, you know? And for us, for my mom, it was like, they didn't give us a reason, no you know, kidding. like they, they, they did the autopsy, they did know. all the tests and they're just like, uh, it was an accident. Like, we don't really know what happened. There's no, nothing that shows that she should have died in her sleep, you know? And so, um, and so then I was like, okay, what do I want the reason to be? Huh. Because I get to choose. And when we can do that and just say like, you not wait around to find out what the reason was, but just decide what would be a compelling reason that would just propel me into this amazing journey in my life, you know? And the reason I came up with is that she passed away and it was meant to happen exactly the way it did so that I could connect with other people and help other people, mm-hmm. you know, and learn about myself and learn these tools because really those events are what brought me to the therapy and the life coaching and all of that. And now this is my life's work. I love it. Awesome. And so it's, it's so cool. I love when people do this and we find this happening a lot with the people we talk to about coming towards the light when you get there and when you find the reason why, and, and, and it enlightens you a little bit to, to help you understand why it's everybody turns around and tries to give it back to somebody else who's been there. That is a, that is a big theme that's come out in a lot of these podcasts that we do. And I just think that's so brilliant and so fascinating because as we're going through these moments, a lot of times we just want to quit. We want to give oh, up. Yeah. We're so angry and bitter Broken. and frustrated and, mm-hmm. Some of us have gotten to the point where we want to end our lives, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. And and if if we can just hold on, let and I love how you talk about letting those feelings play their course in your life. Let them play their course. Yeah. Be fair to yourself and allow yourself to go through your own grieving process, even though your family's already gone through it. Whatever it is that you've got right. to allow, let those feelings play their course, acknowledge them, accept them, but be patient with yourself through them. Right. And what's beautiful is on that other side, once you get to that point where you can move through it, you've given yourself grace. You've given yourself some mercy to get through that thing. And when you've done that for yourself, what we see and what we found out is that nine times out of 10, if not more, that person that's done that wants to turn around and run to those people who are going through it and in the thick and thick of it right there in their moment. 
And that's, man, that is, that is a beautiful thing to me. And I just, I applaud you for that. Tell me, tell me a little bit about as you're going through this, Kevin and your kids, like what was like, what changed for them? I mean, was it, was it hard for them to see you really struggling through this thing? And then as you got going in therapy, as you kind of came to the other side of this thing, like what was the change in them towards you? Yeah. Um, so my husband is just an amazing listener. And that's really just what I needed. He's you also know? the Lego master. He's right? the Lego master. <laughs> Seriously, guy's incredible. <laughs> oh, yes, he is. Oh. Um, but, you know, he he just was there for me. You know, he, he listened to me and encouraged me. And, and it, like you were talking about how a lot of times we try and fix it, yeah. you know. He wasn't trying to fix me. And that was really Gave you important. Grace. Yes. Because you needed nothing fixed, right? Yeah. Like you are a good, valuable person that's struggling, but you don't need to be. F- I think that's like that. We've got to get that idea out of our heads that we need to be fixed. Because like I I don't buy into that. I, and, and I think I have for too long in my life. Like I, I kind of almost wore it as a badge that like I'm some broken person. Mm-hmm. But like. And, and like, to an extent, that is not necessarily a false statement. You know, there are, I think we all have broken things about us, but we are not broken. You know, mm-hmm. like, that, that I, I really love this idea that there is nothing that we can do that loses, where we lose our value as humans, as, as you know, the, as just, yeah, human beings. Um and like we talked a lot about that with uh, Spencer. With, one, with Spencer Hall, one of our recent guests, and 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 like so this idea like when I, we like I, I remember talking about this a lot with my my ex wife, this idea that uh, men need to come in and fix everything, and 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 I'm just now realizing that the follow-up to that is my, my thing is, is why would you not want me to fix whatever your problem is? Like, of course that's what I want to do. But the thing is, is it's like it, she doesn't need to be fixed. None of us need to be fixed. We just need help. Grace. Yeah. Yeah. And that's exactly what Kevin did for you. you, Right. Yeah. And I think he realized, you know, that this was something I, it was a journey that I needed to go on. Mm -hmm. And if he, interfered too much you know that i wouldn't be able to go on That's the journey you know insightful. i don't and think a lot of us yeah. are yeah, very mature wise. enough to let that happen very yeah. wise so so he just held space for me and hmm. um and oh man he is he said so, he's so helpful uh he was so helpful and he still is um just what do you need like i'll i'll take yeah. the kids do you need to go take a break do you need, you know and just helping cook dinner and like when yeah when i had the capacity to do almost nothing, he jumped in and was and was doing what those cool things. Hey Dan, real quick, awesome. high five for Kevin. Yeah, yeah, real <laughs> Kev. No, yeah, for, for real though. That's making us guys look good. That's a that's a beautiful thing. You know, I I remember. Um, I'm going to share a little openly about Alicia. I'll be really quick with this because your story is so awesome. But Alicia was struggling with some things of the church, of our of our Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. She was having some really big struggles, and she came to me and said, I am really having a hard time with this. And, and my response to her at that time, and this is very off track of what I would typically do, but my response to her was, do you need a break? Do you need to step back and take a break? And she yeah. said, me just saying that alone 
was enough for her to ha- have the feelings that it's okay to have have some weird thought like like to to not understand this part of whatever it is yeah and she's like that really blessed my life and all I simply did was say I see you yeah. I hear you mm-hmm. I care about you mm-hmm. what do you what do you need and and I I put it all in her hands, right? What do you need and how can I support you in that? Yeah. And that, that made her feel all the value she needed to move forward on her journey. I love that. Yeah. Instead of saying, well, you should try this. You yeah. should read this. You should, you know. Or why aren't you doing this? Right. Or whatever, exactly. Right? Yeah. Just giving her that space. And that is such a beautiful thing. And the thing is, is that when we do try and jump in and, and change things, because we're feeling uncomfortable, we actually steal the opportunity yes. for the other person Absolutely. to get the byproducts of their journey. Cause I mean, we're very result nice. oriented in, mm-hmm. in our culture, right? Mm-hmm. It's just about get to the result quick and, and all of that. But we, we really, it's so important for us to understand the strengths that we gain along the way to the result that we're yeah. trying to get to. Oh, you know? so, so I'm glad that you brought that up, Mike, because in your podcast, Rachel, you talk about this. Pod, by, real quick. Her podcast, The Thoughtist. There you go. T-H-O-U-G-H-T-I-S-T. <laughs> it's awesome. It is awesome. Um, in, in that podcast, Rachel, you talk about uh, how after your mom dies, uh, you go back to work and you're mm-hmm. just kind of trying to, you know, push along and just keep swimming or whatever. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thanks, <laughs> And 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 again, like I think that's all our default mindset of like we hit, uh, you know, a time of crisis and okay, we we all call it survival mode, right? We know it's this mode where we get in and it's there's not a lot of thought. It's just I'm gonna keep on. My momentum is gonna carry me along my path that I'm on. Mm-hmm. And like that, sometimes that. I think we do that because it feels like we're, oh, I'm putting effort in. I'm still being okay. Yeah. You know? I'm like being I'm still valuable. able to do this, right? Yeah, yeah, I still have value. See, I'm able to work or whatever. Um, and then right before our podcast, you, you started talking about this idea of our journeys being kind of like a hike where it's, it's not, you know, it's not just about the destination, but there are times during the hike where we, where we hit either a plateau or a certain vista and kind of pause for a bit and, and pay attention to what's around us, pay attention to the view or whatever. Mm-hmm. So you have these two years of where you're just plugging along and trying to work and, and be mom and deal with in, in, in maybe not deal with the death of your parents. Yeah. And eventually you hit this breakthrough of I'm going to start this new thing. I'm going to quit school. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to start this new thing where yeah. I'm a life coach and I'm going to take all of this stuff that I've learned in therapy and I'm going to do this new thing. Can you talk to me a little bit about how that, how that happened? Like as you're going through and, and you're in this mindset of just keep moving forward. And then at what point were you able to make that switch and say, maybe me moving forward isn't where I need to go. Maybe I need to sidestep and go this way. Yeah. Um, I think it was, I mean, I kind of talked about this before. It was just like, I, 
it was either I was going to sink or swim, right? Mm -hmm. I was either just going to like, if we're talking about the hike, I was going to start walking backwards and going down, you know, because there, I had nothing left to move me forward. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it was that pivotal moment where where it's like, okay, Rachel, what are you going to do? You know? And, and it was, you know, something within me that was just like, you need to, you need to do this. You know, it was, it. you know, people would call it like a revelation or, or, you know, a spiritual experience, but yeah, just that, this feeling of like, this is, this is what is next for you. And this is what you've been prepared to do. You know, like, um, my main objective in, mm-hmm. in this whole thoughtist company that I'm trying to, you know, it's in very early stages, but that I'm trying to get off the ground is, um, to help children, mm-hmm. you know, that's, I feel, and, and so it's like everything that I've done leading up to this, like being a teacher and all of those things, it's all led me and it's all given me the tools that I need to do this next thing in my life. Um, I don't know if I answered your question. Well, my question was kind of rambly. So my follow-up to that would be, okay, so how did it, what, what was the difference in feeling for you from just plugging along at, at being a teacher? Mm Mm-hmm. And then how it felt to start this new thing. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was so vulnerable and scary because uh-huh. like teaching was all I had really known. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd done it for a decade. It's how you made your living. It's how, it's how you, you made your, that's how you felt your value, right? Yes, mm-hmm. yeah. totally. It's your place. Yeah. And, and, um, and, and I loved it too. So it was just like, am I really going to leave this? Yeah. You know? Um, but then it was like, yes, you are because, but you're not really leaving it. You're just shifting it. You're going to teach children. You're going to teach them, you know, not about reading and writing and math. You're going to teach them about the tools that they need to have healthy relationships with their family. You're going to teach them how to deal with shame and all these things that come up in their lives. You're going to teach them how to love themselves unconditionally. And, um, and you, you know, you get to do this. So I felt so energized and so, awesome. you know, on fire about it that it was like, okay, let's do this, you know? Yeah. Like, um, so yeah, so that's. Boy, if, if I had someone teach me how to not feel shame when X and Y was introduced into the mathematic <laughs> equation, I would have been so much better off than I am Same, now. Man. Same. No, but I, so I just love this. I love this shift and I love where you've I gone with it now. Um, and, and obviously that's the journey you're on now is really to help kids and help children. Right. So mm-hmm. in your own home with your own kids, like how has that changed the way that you look at them, the way that you interact with them and, how are you on purpose a lot more in this idea with your own children? Oh yeah, that's such a good question. Um, it starts with the thought work that I do on myself, like my thoughts about my children. Because uh, like your relationship with any person on this earth, including yourself, comes from the thoughts that you have about yourself or about the other person. And so when I think thoughts about my kids like, they shouldn't behave this way. You know, they shouldn't do this or that, or they should do this or that. Um, often it comes in shoulds, right? Or we do that to ourselves too. Like I shouldn't have done that or I should do this. Um, then, then the feelings that come are, you know, 
anger. Like when I, when I have these expectations of my kids and they're not doing what I think they should do, then I feel angry. But that if you can just shift that and be like, okay, actually, no, they should be doing this. It's developmentally appropriate. Totally, totally. You know, like when you think about their brains, I mean, children's brains are, um, a human brain is not fully developed until your mid twenties. Oh crap. Is you it, know? Am I past that point? <laughs> so shoot. <laughs> you're fully developed. Oh, so you're no, no, no. Just, I just thought there was it. still hope for me. <laughs> just, just think now you can, you have access to your full capacity. Yeah. You yes, just use no, it. And, and that's, that's true. I mean, neuroscience, right? Like your yeah. brain is, yep. there's neuroplasticity. Yep. So you can always change things, yeah. right? For better or for worse. Um, but yeah, children, like we just need to be so much more compassionate yeah. towards them, you know, like, and treat it, them like people. Yes. Not like kids. Yes. They need exactly. to be treated like a person. Like, I don't know if you guys have heard the Brian Regan sketch where he's like, you know, I was watching this family and this kid had the balloon and he let the balloon go and, and he was crying and the parents are like, come on, it's just a it's balloon. It's just this or it's just that. Right. And then he's like, what if your wallet started floating away? Right. It's you know? just a wallet. Like, it's just yeah, your wallet. I'll get yeah. you another one. But I want that one. You know? <laughs> so it's just like, but That's seriously, really like to them, it's real to yeah. them. It's so intense. And if, if we're just like, nah, you're fine. You know, don't even worry exactly. about it. Exactly. Yeah. But what if we said, Oh my gosh, you know what? I know how that feels. Yeah. One time I lost my wallet yeah. and this is how it felt. And this is what I did. You know, like, do you want me to just hold you right now? Do you want, That's cool. you know, like, what can I do to help you right now? Or do you just want to be by yourself? And I think it's so important. I always like, teach my kids that when they are feeling an emotion, we do that cope process yeah. mm -hmm. and we say, okay, what is the thought that's causing you to feel this emotion? Sure. You know? And then it's okay to feel the emotion. Let me know when you're ready and we can think of some other thoughts that can give you a different feeling if you want, that's but awesome. I'm here that's for you. So you just let me know when you're ready, yeah. you know, and just giving them that space. Yeah. Um, so kind yeah. of in, it, it empowers them to be able to really think it through and, and oh, be yeah. okay with the thoughts they're having. That is yeah. really good. Well, and you just get to treat them like they get yeah. to get treated like a person. Yeah. They feel valued. Yes. I think that's like, I remember being a kid and I remember the way that adults would Such treat me sometimes. Such a long time ago for you. I know. Dude. <laughs> Forever ago. Long time ago. <laughs> good thing you're so much younger than me. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. But like, that's the thing. Like, I remember being treated as a child and like, we don't treat our, ch we treat our children kind of like we treat our animals. I mean, it's not too much different. Like we mm -hmm. talk to them differently than we talk to normal people. And like, you know, that's not necessarily a bad thing because you want to talk to your kids in a nice way, but you've got to see them as people. Like mm -hmm. they are, they, they are people who feel full ranges of emotions and, and, and temptation and excitement and magic and they, all of these things. And when we keep telling them over and over again to, hey, just be smaller and be quieter so I don't have to deal with your stuff because I'm busy over here with my stuff. Yeah. Right. Like that makes that that literally puts them in their place and they make themselves small so as not to have to worry or like I remember doing that as a kid yep. and I I didn't like doing that, but I did it because I thought it would make my parents feel better. But like, that's the thing is if we as parents can recognize that 
cut it off at the head happens. and and engage with them like real people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like yeah. happens often. How amazing could our relationships be? Oh, Happen- so amazing. Yeah. yeah. Happens a lot, doesn't it? Um so I I I want to talk to you. I just I really like your journey a lot to really coming to understanding um that you're currently in and the thoughtist idea, the podcast that you're doing and just the way that you talk about parenting. All the things that you've gone through in your life to really teach you the type of parenting you should offer your children, the, the, you know, the value you can provide for them. That's beautiful. Um, in your journey personally, um, what does that journey look like now as, as you're continuing your own personal life and, and march forward? What does that look like for you now? What, what are, what are the, what are ways that you're looking at, at this life and saying, how can I gain more light or how can I go towards that destination that I really want to find? Yeah. Um, right now I'm just trying to, uh, well, one thing that, um, that I've done is write out what my priorities are and then, um, do the math in my schedule, like my actual daily schedule to make sure that I'm actually giving the amount of time that I want to, like the, I call it priority integrity, sure, right? Yeah. Cause we all say we have these priorities, but then if you look at the math of where you're spending your time, does it match up? Sure. Yeah, that's a good point. So that's a huge thing that I'm working on right now. And I can tell you that um, it's hard. <laughs> like yeah. it is, it is, you're like our brains resist, you know, it's the motivational triad. So we, we seek the most amount of pleasure, try mm-hmm. to avoid pain and expend the least amount of energy, mm-hmm. right? And uh, like if we're talking scripturally, we would call that the natural man, sure, right? Yep. And so um, it is so interesting that I do find that as I'm trying to do this, like I can see that natural man and that resistance. Um, and so currently, I am trying to work through that. Yeah. You know, um, I think a lot of it, like. Um, just, you know, I'm trying to, I've, I've got one podcast episode so far and I'm working on another one and I've been working on it for a while mm-hmm. and making the outline. And then I just keep changing. It's not good enough. I can't, you know, like yeah. I'm not ready for this. Like, and so I haven't done, recorded it yet, sure. you know? And so, um, but I think it's so important for people to understand, like sometimes when things like this happen, then yeah, we start to internalize it and be like, well, there's something wrong with me. And right. I, you know, like yeah. I'm not good at this or I shouldn't do it or anything like that. So currently I'm trying to work through that sure. in my life and just sure. be like, no, like I know I felt like I was supposed to do this. Yeah. I need to keep going. Yeah. You know, I need to, I need to continue to work on this vision that I had so vividly of what I'm supposed to be doing right now. So, so. So priority integrity. Yeah. And you really, you really say what's, what things are most important to me Yes. and then giving yourself to those things and really giving that time and a place in your life so that you can move forward with those things. Correct. Yeah, definitely. That's awesome. And, and you're right. I I feel the same thing about that whole natural man idea and and it being a tough thing. So I get it. But I'm excited. I, your podcast is awesome, it really and is. and great. yeah, right. I mean, there's just listening to the thoughtest idea and the way that you talk about it. Um, you need to keep going with that because there's a lot that a lot of that a lot of people are seeking after that those kind of that kind of information. Mm-hmm. And gosh, when when we first started talking to you, you used a word 
the metacognition. Yes. <laughs> that like, and you explained it as thinking about your thinking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, how often do we do that? Oh, and how, yeah. Right? I mean, I, I sit there throughout the day, especially with this whole COVID-19 thing. I work for Marriott International. The hotel industry's gotten smacked in the face by this thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting here working fortunately to have i'm fortunate to have a job so i have some gratitude there but there's there's not a ton of work that is Mm -hmm. available for me to do anymore like there used to be so i'm trying to find things i'm going after everything i can it's like i'm over group business but there's no group business right now with Mm -hmm. this thing and and i and i the problem is i get so negative in my thinking towards myself feeling like i'm wasting so much time i don't feel valuable Mm -hmm. right and if I would stop and I would think about the way that I'm thinking about myself, I'd mm-hmm. say that makes no sense. Yeah. It's not my fault that I'm in this specific, specific circumstances that I'm in. Yeah. So what can I do to change my thinking and to be positive and to start having more gratitude and to yeah. start spending my time in ways that feel really productive instead of beating myself up for something I can't control. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And sometimes we, when we, finally recognize that that's happening then we add another layer of guilt and you know you should know better (laughs) like um yeah this is not helpful and instead of that i i love to tell people like just get curious yeah like i wonder why i was thinking that yeah you know like sit with it explore it a little bit um yeah and always before you try and move on to the intentional thought make sure that you've felt whatever it was you needed to feel you know And then that's when the intentional thought, your your brain and your body will be able to accept the intentional thought more if you've processed yeah. what was going on before. That's really cool. So, because a lot of times when we skip that step, our brains reject the intentional thought that we want to have because we haven't, we haven't moved dealt on, really. with yeah. the other. Yeah, well, like, like we're not willing to accept that. Yeah. It's like a, a real thought. Yeah. That's interesting. That's very interesting. Yeah. Good point. So. Good point. Okay. So, um, Dan always has really good questions before our time is up. So I'm going to, Dan, I'm gonna, he's shaking his head. So I don't know. Hold so, on. I'm going to turn the time over to Dan Gregson. I, I appreciate that <laughs> a lot. No, I like, honestly, I, I'm looking at my notebook and I've got so many notes. I've, I've loved this discussion. Yeah. I, you know, so much of this is, um, is what I have struggled very deeply with. And so much of being able to turn my life around has come from the ability to be mindful of my mental and emotional state um, and try and, and and realize that I am very unhealthy emotionally and mentally. Um, and I've that, been trying and, to tell and that, that it, for so And long. that it affected like my whole <laughs> flipping life. Like it, it affected my physical health. Um, bro, you got to really laugh at what I just said to you. Oh, I didn't hear you. I said, I've been trying to tell him that for so long. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah. I, I, and I, and I obviously have not heard yeah, it well, at all because yeah. I just didn't hear it again. It's not true. Anyway, <laughs> sorry. So that being said, I, I think, I, I think I've, I've really heard, uh, you know, some amazing things tonight. And I think I just want to move into kind of that last question yeah, that, that we I think have, so. um, because this has just been amazing. Awesome. And so I guess Rachel, now that we've heard 
a little bit about some of the darkness that you've been through. So that loneliness, the beating yourself up a bit, the not feeling your full value, um, losing two pivotal people in your life, your two parents, and maybe not having a, a way to really grieve that very well. Yeah. What has all of that kind of your your main darkness when you talk about your rock bottom? What what is the gift that all of that has brought to your life? Um, it's the love that I was able to find for myself through it to be able to um, compassionately look at my past and my present. And when you can compassionately look at your past and your present, that's what creates your future. Ooh, that's a good that's one. Fantastic. That's fantastic. That's a good one. But, but like unpack that a bit because so how did that look in your that's life? Awesome. Like what, what did you do to forgive yourself and to show yourself love? Um, I just started to open up about, um, I've got to think about that first. No, that's okay. <laughs> take your, take your time. Um, say the question one more so, time. So, yeah, so you, the, the question was initially, what was the gift? The gift was this idea of how you loved yourself and mm -hmm. you were able to forgive yourself Compassion and, and, and this, yes. this self-compassion. Beautiful. What, how did you enact that in your life when you needed it so to yourself? I think I needed to forgive myself for not paying attention to myself, mm -hmm. for neglecting the self-care you know, yeah. for, for, um, Absolutely. for not stopping and looking at the Vista for trying mm. to just power through yeah. and plow through. And because of the, you know, the plowing through, I, I missed out on being more present in my life with my husband and my kids yeah. and myself, you know? And, um, and so, yeah, I just, I finally stopped. Mm -hmm. And when I stopped and I started to learn who I was and what I needed, that's when I started to take care of myself and love myself. And that love, when you can love yourself, all of a sudden it just shoots out all it over does. the place yeah. no, I towards felt everybody, that. you know? It's true. So, so when, when you, but like, I guess what, one of the things that I want to get to is like, when you say you forgave yourself, was this just a, you let it go in your mind? Was there like a physical, like you pat, like you, kind of treat yourself nice with like a nice pat on the shoulder. Yeah. Like the, I'm, I'm serious. Like what, yeah. what, how, how did that, was it just thoughts in your head of like these things specifically, like it's okay that they were hard and I forgive you. Like how, yeah. how is that for you? What is that process like? Yeah. Um, it's, it's like, oh, I, I don't know if I'm wording it right, but like, <laughs> um, the self care wasn't, wasn't just like, when you think of self-care, you think of mm -hmm. like, uh, getting a massage sure. or yes. like, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. going to the spa yeah. or whatever it I'm is. Going to go but, buy myself something. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but honestly, like the most powerful self-care is sitting with yourself and being your own best friend. Embrace yourself. Awesome. Yeah. Embracing yourself and, and just, um, asking yourself the hard questions, yeah. you know, um, like, what do I want to believe about my past. This happened. How do I want to experience yeah. it now? I can't change it, mm -hmm. but how will it change me for better? Yeah. You know, in the future. Yeah. So I, That's awesome. I just, I'm so impressed. Um, 
by what you're saying about that. And I, and I, I think the beauty in that is just, we owe it to ourselves, right? To slow down with ourselves and, and to, to try and disconnect, disconnect ourselves and our minds from all of the pressures and what we think are the, the ways that we should be in society, the way that we should fit into society and how we kind of are supposed to be right. Those Mm -hmm. quotation marks around supposed to be, we all have this image and this mentality of what the perfect person is supposed to be and who they should be and how they should approach work. Maybe even what dollar amount they should make each paycheck or what title they should have in whatever career and what grades they should get in school. And if you're young, what crowds you sh- you're supposed to fit into. And that's all false. Yeah. Like that's not true. Yeah. And in any way. And when we put that pressure on ourselves, we owe it to ourselves to stop and to tell ourselves it's okay. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the things that, that I appreciate about that, Rachel, is just the simple fact that that's your focus in life now because of your darkest time and this hardest moment that you've been through in your personal life, you've done that for you. And now you want to give the gift back to others to do that for themselves. That's what it's all about. So thank you so much for coming. Thank you for having me. You're awesome. The thoughtest. Thank you for listening to our podcast, Come Towards Delight, where we try to connect with people who have delight and an uplifting story to share. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and share our podcast and help us spread delight. One last thing, we would love to hear from you. So please leave us your feedback. Or if you know someone who has brought delight to you, please email us at cometowardsdelight at gmail.com. See See you next time. time.